Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And we got a big episode today because we're interviewing Karina Longworth of You Must Remember This. The so exciting. The amazing podcast that I'm sure all of you listen to anyway. Because when she called in a few weeks ago to talk about Ronald Reagan and whether or not he is, um, well, just his who-them status, because he was sort of a who and then he turned into a them. Anyway, we reached out to her. We're like, want to be on the show for real? And she said yes, because she's Because cool. she has a new season coming out. <laughs> it came out already. Oh, yeah, it's actually. already out. Uh, two episodes are out as of recording. It's a new season about the Disney, uh, <laughs> the lost Disney animated movie, Song of the South. If you thought, oh, there's not much to know about Song of the South, I thought into the whole story. Like, oh, it's just in the vault. It's very racist. And like, people don't like it. That's not on Disney+. Plus. There's so much more to it. Um, mm-hmm. And she's doing a full season about it. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. We're going to play the interview now. Stay tuned after the interview for what's Rita up to, because we can't stop doing that. And we didn't do it on um, the Who Dad episode. We're behind. Thank you, Karina. Enjoy the interview. We'll see you on Friday with another episode of Who Them. Call 619 Who Them, and then we can do Who Them. them. You said Who Them instead of Who's There. You will drive us. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And we're joined today. <laughs> by uh it's not for following up a who dad episode with an episode that doesn't really have a structure or a name it's just karina longworth is here with us i was thinking we could call it who was that who was oh, that yeah. oh that's it who was that <laughs> that's perfect. you must remember this karina that's longworth perfect. hello hi thanks for having me we're so excited to talk to you because when you called in to the podcast on our request, obviously, <laughs> it was such a huge hit and people were so delighted. And also, I have to say, I'm not even just like sucking up. You gave an answer <laughs> beyond what we even really expected, what we, what we deserved. Oh, thank you. I'm such a big <laughs> really. fan of your show. And so when you guys asked me to basically apply the who formula to Ronald Reagan, like I had thoughts. Like how? How could you not? <laughs> You know, this stuff is really interesting to me because it always has been. Like, I've always been into old movies and TCM and all of that. But I understand that for a lot of people, they need to be explained that, like, you know, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis feuding is a lot like Taylor Swift and Kanye. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to say that so we were talking about how there are celebrity. um, There's always like a celebrity connection. So you can sort of peg your story about you know, Betty Davis to the Taylor Swift feud or whatever. And currently your season of You Must Remember This is about Song of the South, which has new relevance, which obviously you expected because Disney Plus released their, you know, 8,000 tweet thread with everything (laughs) coming to Disney Plus on November 12th, whatever it is, November 16th, November 12th. Um, And the one thing that's missing from it that's, you know, was kept in the vault through the way the key was Song of the South. Um, two episodes are out as of recording. I just listened to the Hattie McDaniel one. Um, I knew nothing about her. Yeah, no. Inst- instead, they did 250 other tweets. Yeah. And then, you know, there's just a gap. Like, there's, I think there's literally nothing for 1946 because that was the movie <laughs> Disney released that year. It's really funny. You almost, you can almost, there's so many ways of, I mean, obviously, it, it's, it's a sensitive subject for them not to... Um, really speak about this movie or even acknowledge its existence but there's a way of interpreting the whole tweet storm as in just smoke and mirrors like maybe if we tweet enough 
Like maybe if we tweet about High School Musical, the musical, the show, <laughs> as tweet 3000, people won't notice that Song of the South isn't there. Like I know that's not what happened, but it's just, I mean, it's sort of funny in the context of every single other thing that is on that thread. There's no Song of the South. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was really thrilled when I woke up in the morning and I saw that that was in progress. Like, because I, Mm -hmm. of course, I knew that my podcast was going to come out and that it would, you know, be kind of a way of of talking about it right before talking about it. But Mm -hmm. also, I, I do think that was just a brilliant PR move because it... Like nobody was talking about Disney Plus at that exact moment. And then they mm-hmm. just kind of figured out a way to ensure that they would be both celebrated and trolled at once. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's great. I think they did the exact right thing. And also, you know, it, it was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I mean, I think I feel like we have a very easy time with what we do because everything is so topical and we yeah. really like have all of these tabloids at our disposal. But when you Yeah, but when you go after something, you really have to find sources that are, you know, might not even exist anymore or that, you know, never existed at all. Like we we've gone to the library to look up old issues of Us Weekly, but that's literally the most research we've ever done in our in this (laughs) podcast existence. (laughs) No, not really. Um, I started I started working on it in March. And I don't remember. I mean, I think maybe Disney Plus yeah. had been announced by them, but I wasn't thinking about it. I I had been working um, with a, like a couple of producers who were interested in right. trying to figure out a way to just set a television show in Black Hollywood of the 20th century. And so we we had a bunch of meetings and we we're talking about a lot of different ideas. And at one point, I just kind of like showed up at a meeting with like 10 ideas. And one of them was Song of the South. And that, you know, turned out to be not something that they were interested in. But I, in just like trying to know enough so that I could talk about it for five minutes in this meeting, I found out that the movie was written by a white communist who was then um, blacklisted almost immediately after. And I was like, wow, I did a whole season on the blacklist and I never got to this guy's story. Um, There's got to be a lot of other stuff going on with Song of the South if, like, there's a story about a white guy involved that I never heard of. Um, So, yeah, then I, you know, that's kind of how a lot of these seasons begin is that I'll find out one thing that not only I didn't know, but I never would have thought to, like, look up. And then I try to find if there are other stories like that about a certain thing, a certain person, a time period or whatever. And then I just figure out a way to string it all together. I was... I was laughing at the part where you said there was a you talked about Hattie McDaniel recording some song and you were like, I couldn't find a version of this song, but I couldn't find her version of the song. But here's someone else's version. And I was like in my mind thinking like every version of every song released in the past 10 years is at my disposal in 15 seconds or less. Like, you know, like the Selena Gomez remix with BB Rexa produced by Diplo that's only released (laughs) in Amsterdam. Like I can find it in 30 seconds, you know. Um, and also Song of the South Who, right? Song of the South Who? Do we all agree on this? Okay, well, this is really interesting <laughs> because I definitely thought Song of the South was a who. And then I started doing press about this season and a couple really? of the people who have wanted to talk to me, journalists, were big Disney people. And so I've never <laughs> been people. a huge Disney person, but at least one of these journalists was somebody who actually spends time on Disney message boards. And she was she was like... She made it seem like Song of the South is the most famous movie ever made. (laughs) 
And I was like, actually, most people that I mention it to have never heard of it. And she didn't believe me. Is that because like, dis- dis- do we get a sense that Disney people, this is also a phenomenon <laughs> that I'm person. fascinated with, like, <laughs> you know, after living in LA for one year and then like coming across all like people who go there like for the day once a week or something. And I just right. like, I do, do Disney people like to embrace the dark as well as the light? They are not PR people. Like they, I think Disney people also love like the dark Disney stuff too. So Song of the South would oh, yeah. be something that a Disney person would be into, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was, this person I spoke with was like, yeah, the Disney community is like, release it. Oh my God. So. <laughs> Did you watch it on, did you just watch like a VHS of it? How did you watch it on online? So it, it's on never been released on VHS in the U.S. It's never been released in any home video format in the U.S. I saw it in 1986 in a movie theater when I was wow. six years old. And then um, there is, basically there was a Japanese laser disc. And that Japanese laser disc has been bootlegged. And so if you go to like comic conventions or Disney conventions, like you can buy bootleg DVDs of it. Apparently you can also buy these bootleg DVDs everywhere in Georgia. Um, But basically the bootleg DVD of the Japanese Laserdisc ended up on a hard drive that a friend of mine had who and he gave that to my husband years ago and it was just like a hard drive of a bunch of different movies that were unavailable and so my husband has had that hard drive for a long time but we've never had occasion to watch Song of the South Um, but I knew he had it so I knew that I was going to be able to do the research for the season just in that term because I knew Mm. I was going to be able to watch it right which is like but the the the, yeah but the funny thing about the Japanese Laserdisc is that it only has subtitles for the songs oh (laughs) yikes (laughs) Well, okay. Well, then, I guess. Wait, I never got to my question, which was that how how do you source a lot of the stuff on your show? Do you find yourself like deep in people's memoirs or like this is actually a very selfish question because I would love to know how to research anything beyond five years ago? Yeah, (laughs) honestly. So it kind of depends on the subject matter. But usually what I do is I try to figure out the landscape of books so that I've been written about the topic. And then I figure out which ones of those books are reputable. Yeah. Um, And I mean, over time, I've kind of come to know that there are certain people who are in the business of just churning out salacious biographies. Mm. Um, And so you try not to read those people's books. You try to stick to the more reputable sources. I don't like to read any book or use any book as a source that doesn't have a bibliography that isn't telling me where their sources are. Right. Um, So that's the kind of the starting point. And then beyond that, I'll go to the Academy's library where they have clippings files for every movie ever made and anybody who's ever worked in a Hollywood movie. And so you can read sometimes on microfiche, sometimes digitally and sometimes in paper files, all the newspaper articles, all of the magazine articles from 1932 or whatever. And then they also have studio documents and correspondence and things like that. So that's that's really valuable. And then I also collect old magazines. So I I have every issue of Confidential magazine, for instance, that was published by its original publisher um, for more recent stuff. Like I just started collecting Movie Line magazine from the, the late 80s and 90s, which is pretty fabulous. Oh, my God. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to kind of like build my own library of sources yeah. as well. I am um, so I to a to a certain extent this still happens today how, you know, competition among media publications, especially gossip publications leads to like, well, you got to read, you know, the whole variety, you got to read the entire tapestry of gossip um coverage to actually get the full extent of the gossip, but I feel like mm-hmm. it happened more, you know, in the mid-century where you would just get wildly different accounts of things 
not just gossip, but news, depending on what source you were reading. Um, mm. So because of that, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things on like, it's very This American Life to me, where it's like, according to this newspaper, this happened. But according to this newspaper, this happened. <laughs> um, there were all these conflicting reports. It was because there was such a big variety of um, publications, especially celebrity, like, public focus publications what what is your favorite one is it is it confidential magazine like what was your favorite voice well confidential is really fun to read for sure and mm-hmm. it's also they they were publishing things that pri- like previous to them getting started in the mid 1950s magazines were not publishing this stuff because the studios were buying off the press mm-hmm. so there, i mean there was a brief period when right. the hollywood reporter first started in the 1930s where the guy who started the hollywood reporter james wilkerson he wanted to be an antagonist to the studios he's like this is such a phony business i'm going to mm-hmm. tear it all down but then he started opening nightclubs like the trocadero where the whole point of the nightclub was to get celebrities drunk and the waiters were basically also reporters and the waiters would just overhear <laughs> oh, what the drunk people God. said and then they'd publish it in the hollywood reporter but then he realized that he was making so much money at the nightclubs and then <laughs> If he pissed off the wrong people, they would A, stop coming to the nightclubs and B, stop buying ads in The Hollywood Reporter. So he allowed himself to be bought off. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) That's like media today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there basically there's like this 20 year period between when James Wilkerson is like incorporated by the studios and when Confidential starts up where everything that even like people like Luella Parsons and Hedda Hopper, who are considered you know, to be muckrakers, everything is being vetted by the studios, vetted by publicists. And so it's not that it's all false, but there's just a lot of stuff that isn't coming out, you know, stuff yeah. about affairs and abortions and things like that. Well, we have the similar thing like that, how American media owns like every tabloid, essentially. I mean, that's something that we also know there are huge holes in coverage because of maybe things going on. I mean, I'm not sure like where all of the where everything is reaching to, but we get a sense yeah. now that stuff is getting covered up or just not report or just or literally purchased and not reported, essentially, in that way. Yeah, and and that's why like something like Crazy Days and Nights like is allowed to sort of keep going and people mm-hmm. keep reading it because mm-hmm. like one out of every twenty blinds a day ends up being correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's enough of a reason to to read it. It's yeah. like, oh, this is gonna be the one. And also you get a sense of which ones might be correct because you can kind of you get a sense of the way that they're told, you know, and and the ones that tend right. to be correct are told a certain way. Actually, I wonder if that's the case with like, ev- you know, reading any type of, of source. It's like you get a sense of like what's more likely to be true based on where it's coming from or the way that a publicist would talk versus a different type of source. I mean, Bobby, you're obsessed with like the way that sources talk, like a source close to the a source close <laughs> to the celebrity said or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's their publicist or, you know, 100 percent. It's never like a source close to yeah, actually. The, the combination of like particular language with like a a source a source with knowledge of the situation or like a source close to the person combined with the way the source is talking there are like certain red flags where like oh this is like literally just tree pain speaking on behalf of, of taylor swift like we right. know exactly who this is can you always tell like in a kardashian story when a source close to them is it's chris, chris. Jenner? <laughs> i think if if it's if it is i mean usually if it is on it's e-news if it's an e-news exclusive that's the biggest red flag because yeah. they'll say a source and yeah. it's just clearly chris not even pretending but i usually it's, just right. assume it's chris maybe less so it's, now but at least in like the kardashian heyday you know five six years ago it just always seemed like it was chris 
It's so crazy that E! News could be, like, reporting, quote-unquote, news about the Kardashians. They do it all the time. But it's like, I mean... You know, it's basically like if HBO was like, now we have HBO news and yeah. here's news mm-hmm. about Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. No, literally, it's true. I mean, and, and then they, yeah. but they, and also the E! News thing is they scatter, and it's not just Kardashians, they scatter all of the gossip about their new reality stars just among actual gossip. You know, like mm-hmm. I just, I'm scrolling through E! News right now, and one of the top stories is Evan Rachel Wood calls out Paris Hilton for calling Millie Bobby Brown hot. But then if you scroll <laughs> down, then you're going to see. Um, both Kardashian stories and stories from just the NBC Universal family. You know, right. it's all just in there, right? Together. Um, who I mean, is this? Is this is sort of a, a a quick little swerve? But who is your who is your favorite contemporary celebrity? Not you know mid century celebrity, but who is your favorite yeah. contemporary celebrity to follow to actually keep up with? Because you've got other things to do, or at least yeah. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I like uh, maybe this is even not current enough although I guess she if she's still around she's still doing stuff but like I like the like Angelina like stealing Brad away mm. situation mm. was extremely important for me mm-hmm. because I was already obsessed with Angelina mm-hmm. and I just kind of never stopped and um yeah I just I, I'm I still get really excited when there's like paparazzi photos of her you know taking Maddox out in my neighborhood mm-hmm. the photos of them selling dog treats at the park in the background of what's photos. her face's yeah. photo that was just Sarah like Ramos. they look like ghosts like they yeah just... I mean she just you know she bought Cecil Beta Mill's house yeah and it's like she just lives and it's like it's near where I live and it's like five city blocks behind these gates and so it's just like it really is like some crazy like like emissary from the past mm-hmm. is just like right there you know I mean she definitely she has the spirit of like an Elizabeth Taylor or something like that that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking too she yeah got I headlines mean, today because she was spotted shopping in Spain with the whole family <laughs> and she's in like yeah. a flowy little linen dress smiling, I don't know smiling, um smiling. there's one tabloid I think it might be radar or someone who's obsessed with her son's college experience and they mm. must have <laughs> some some source in because he's going to college like in a different country right and so and yeah. th- they're obsessed with it and you're getting like his his dorm room looks like this his roommate looks like this here's what he ate at the cafeteria and it's it's actually <laughs> like insane to me I mean I can't imagine anyone caring but I guess there's you know a lot of people really really are invested in these kids I guess you know yeah well I mean when I was when I was in college I was in college not at the same place but at the same time as Chelsea Clinton. And oh, like yeah. there was stuff like that then. Crazy. But I, I mean, maybe she's, you know, more of a public figure. I don't know. Did you see the Chelsea Clinton story this morning? Which one? No, no it I was didn't. like she she was in some I, I have to get the, I have to get this right. Please. Pardon me. You will both enjoy this. <laughs> Wait, it was, was it was it that she was mad about Beyonce and Jay Z? Because that was another thing that came out. No, it was separate. Too. It was this. Okay. So it was. I don't. It was. A, it's a profile of her. I'm not sure where it is. I'll 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 find that out shortly. But a line from the profile I can, uh, says, "I can give you guys a, a if you're still looking. I can give you guys a Beyonce and Jay Z story. Please. Oh yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so um like two weeks ago, I went out to dinner with my husband and a couple that we're friends with at the Chateau, 
and we were just like sitting on the patio and they started setting up a table like right behind us and there was all this whispering about it and they put out like a champagne bucket and a reserved sign mm-hmm. but nobody sat there for like an hour <laughs> and then Beyonce and Jay-Z sat down oh, God. and I, I had my back to them so I wasn't able to like witness much and like you don't want to stare at them you know that <sighs> the whole thing is that like they're being protected by like handlers who are just like you know looking at you and they have a gun but um, I, I will tell you that they there was an order of fries shared at the table and as we were leaving um they finished up their champagne and we're being delivered two like perfectly icy cold martinis wow oh my god incredible so so fries and martinis (laughs) (laughs) fries and martinis i don't think i would have been able to sit there with my back to them that would have been torture honestly i wouldn't have been able to speak because my girlfriend was like sitting across from me and she was looking at them. And so I was like <laughs> mouthing things to her and she was just like nodding or shaking like, her head. I wouldn't. How could you even continue the conversation? Like I was in the same room as Meryl Streep this week and I couldn't even function. I just stood there and stared yeah. at her like it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was embarrassing for me, honestly. And my friend was like, you should go over and like say hi. it was one of those things like you should go over and say hi or, or whatever, because then you'll get over it. And I was like, I absolutely cannot. And I will not. No. Absolutely. No. no. No, absolutely no. not. She no, was. Ama- I couldn't. Be- I couldn't believe they were real people yeah. in real life. You know. And you live in Los Angeles, so this is like this should <laughs> be commonplace for you. <laughs> you never see Beyonce and Jay Z anywhere. Like, no, not in my life. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, they. Speaking of like this, the kind of like a a a a list celebrity that that Angelina Jolie is and Beyonce and Jay Z are. It's like there's not as many of them left, or we're you know we're we're kind of running out. Is there like this cycle where you go and where you kind of like lose your a listers or whatever? Have has that <laughs> happened in the past, or is this like a new thing? Well, I mean, it sort of happened in the 60s when all of like the stars from the 40s and 50s were getting old. Mm-hmm. And then the n- sort of new crop of celebrities were who's to them, you right. know? So like right. like when Jack Nicholson becomes famous in 1967 with Easy Rider, it's like, who is this guy? Right. And and then, you know, a lot of the people who became famous then were considered by that previous generation to be like not good looking enough for movies. Mm-hmm. Like Jack, like, you know, Dustin Hoffman was like, oh, he's short and ethnic. And like the same thing with Al Pacino. Oh, wow. I Jack Nicholson actually made me think of um, Angelica Houston, which made me think mm-hmm. of nepotism. And Lindsay you and I talk nepotism. about <laughs> nepotism all the time. And in a, in a recent episode, we talked about just because of just because of the circumstances and the topics, we talked about Zoe Deutsch a lot, who is the uh-huh. daughter of Leah Thompson. And she's sort of like low grade nepotism, but I think it still counts. And like Zoe Deutsch, Maya Hawk, all the children of people who were kind of at their peak in the 90s yeah. are now the age that you are when you enter Hollywood, you know, like their early right. 20s, they're their late there's teens. There's a lot of them. And yeah, and, and so was nepotism sort of and when we when we think about that today like we're still sort of blinded by it where we're like oh my god it's like the child of Maya Hawk and I mean uh the child of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk is like pretty and talented who knew like we love her mm-hmm. but there's also a little resentment there was it easier for celebrities back in the day like what sort of time did Angelica Houston have coming up when her father was one of the most like famous directors of all time did people ridicule I feel like her? nepotism is as or old is as time easier? it always works <laughs> nepotism is as old as time but like is is the conversation around it the same right, like I feel right, like there's right. more resentment in 2019 than there right. may have been in 1969 or yeah. whatever 
So Angelica Houston like definitely had a rocky road, and I would mm-hmm. absolutely recommend reading her two memoirs. Um, her first one like kind of is kind of slow unless you're, like you're really into the idea of childhood in Ireland. Um, but like the last maybe hundred pages of it, she becomes like a sexy teenage model. Mm-hmm. So that stuff is good. But the second book like really just hits the ground running because she like starts this like horrible affair with Terry Richardson's father, <laughs> and God. then she hooks up with Jack Nicholson. But that whole time, I mean, she doesn't really start acting successfully until she's in her mid thirties. Okay, and some of it is because of like her and the stuff going on like in her personal life. But a lot of it is just like she can't get anybody to take her seriously. Um, but I mean, I think earlier than that, you know, I mean, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. married Joan Crawford at a time when, you know, he was starting his career and she was starting his career and they were like a hot young couple. It would be like, it's like, you know, if, I don't know, Maya Hawke started dating Brooklyn Beckham. Mm-hmm. Um, that might happen. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. just, like, did not have the sustained stardom that Joan Crawford did. And, and you know, she kicked him to the curb pretty quick. <laughs> I love that. Do you come across, do you see stories, contemporary tabloid stories, and you have this weird sense where you can see how they're going to be perceived 50 years from now? Mm. No, not necessarily. I mean, there are certain things that are kind of templates that happen over and over again. Right. But, um, you know, I... I love being surprised. I always try to keep an open mind. That's good. That's good. I, I mean, that's smart. Yeah, I, it's it's just so funny to me because it's like it feels like there are there are patterns, and yet I'm always surprised by stuff for some reason. Oh, can I say one more thing about nepotism? Please. I forgot to say that her dad was a beneficiary slash like had to deal with nepotism as well because his dad was the actor Walter Houston, who was a super famous actor, and then. You know, when John Houston started his career as a screenwriter first and then as a director, there was a little of like, really, like this kid? But he just proved himself really fast. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't feel like we do that to our our celebrities' kids, though. We don't even say, like, prove yourself. I mean, we mm-hmm. do because we're cent- we're cynical. But, like, <laughs> I don't think that – I think people at, at mostly love it. They, they fawn over these kids. Like, there's no, like, kickback, like, let's see what you got, you know? It's very strange to me. Like, we're, we love it when they're famous. Like, by and large, like, uh, overall, the net result is that it's it works. Yeah. Like, they may yeah. get a little pushback from the press and, like, from people like us who are just, like, bitching about it in a in a group text like oh Maya Hawk got is a of course Maya Hawk is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like you know that sort of thing but like she's just going to continue getting in things mm-hmm. she's going to continue being cast in everything mm-hmm. that's just how it works I guess yeah um speaking of surprises putting your which I guess you do all the time putting yourself in the shoes of just like someone who is following celebrity gossip or following you know film news in the mid-century can you think of someone who was a tryhard who I mean not not counting Ronald Reagan which we've already discussed but like <laughs> sort of a tryhard a who a very you know prolific who who you never thought was going to transcend that sort of status who then became phenomenally successful yeah. like is there someone is there a sort of equivalent to that that Ronald Reagan, but not Ronald Reagan? Or I can't think of a I can't even think of a contemporary one. Maybe well, like Zendaya, Zendaya kind of right yeah. now. Zendaya. Like these these stars who like had com- these big come ups were like a few years ago. Everyone was like, I don't know who that person like, is. That obviously. person is not going anywhere. Yeah. And then here yeah. they are. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of somebody specific offhand, but I mean, definitely like like sometimes you'll 
look at somebody's IMDb profile and be like, oh, they actually like were around for 25 years, but I only know them from this one thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mary Astor is somebody who's kind of like that, where she was just like working, 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 and then her career kind of ebbed and flowed, you know, like a like a Marsha Gay Harden or something. Mm-hmm. And then she won an Oscar and that kind of like transformed things and put her in the pantheon. Mm-hmm. But she also had this like crazy like sex diary scandal that like happened when she was at a real low point in her career and instead of killing off her career as everybody expected it to do because it was the 1930s it made her more famous because I mean, suddenly people suddenly people were like Literally Mary Astor who knew yeah like Kim Kardashian <laughs> it's like crazy that we even thought that Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian's careers would be over or whatever no one would give a shit about mm-hmm. them after their sex tapes when like it's been proven again and again that people don't seem to care about that and it's not <laughs> even like we're we're prudes or anything. If anything, we're the opposite. So it's like it's every it's everything repeats itself, even though people, you know, will say like, oh, not this time, not this time. We're smarter or whatever. Sort of switching gears a little bit. Why do you choose the specific stories that you dive into? What about a specific topic usually calls you towards like making an episode about it? Well, usually, I mean, over the past few years, I've focused on doing seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, And so because it's just a lot easier to um, focus on like a theme that can contain a lot of stories rather than having to start from scratch to research each individual story. So the the first thing I look for is when I have one idea is are there other ideas? Are there other things that can connect to this within a container? Um, And then usually it's like if I figure out that there's like five or six different stories that could all go together. I basically decide, you know, am I passionate about this or not? And mm-hmm. usually the thing that kind of sustains my interest, because it, it is a really long time. As I said, like I started working on this in March. Um, all the episodes are written and recorded right now, but we're still editing them. Obviously, I'm still talking about them. So <laughs> you do have to be willing to commit to something for a long time. Um, you know, usually the thing that would make me feel that passionate about it is if there's something in this stuff from the past that I can connect to the present day. Right. And so, you know, with Song of the South, it, as I said, like, I wasn't really that aware of Disney+. Plus. It was more that when I was starting to research it, Green Book had just won the Oscar. And there was this sort of this conversation about, like, white people making movies about black people. Right. And I, you know, Song of the South is kind of the ultimate white people thinking they're doing something good and liberal and progressive by making a movie about black mm-hmm. people and just, like, not being able to hear or understand criticism of it. That was one thing that just reminded me that was, uh, was it David O'Selznick or Victor Fleming? I'm not sure who who it was in the mix, but I I think you said a David O'Selznick, but how he thought he was doing something incredibly progressive by like making little changes to the novel for Gone with the Wind. I was like, oh my God, it's so funny to think of this guy thinking he's making some like huge progressive statement with Gone with the Wind of all people. But that is the Green Book story. That is Nick Villalonga being like, hell yeah, like... This is great. This is a good mm-hmm. thing. I was wondering, are there any uh, celebrities or people's stories that you've researched and come across that haven't fit into your show that whose stories you still like are obsessed with and looking for ways to put into like a future show or maybe look at a little deeper? Like, is there any f- person that we would find maybe fun Just waiting in the wings? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, my, basically one of the first stars I ever knew about was Natalie Wood. Um, mm-hmm. She died when I was like a year old, and my mom was obsessed with her. My mom thought that I looked like young Natalie Wood when I was like five oh. years old. And so she was just talking about Natalie Wood all the time. And of course, I didn't really understand like the nuances of Natalie Wood's story when I was five years old. But yeah. um, it's it's something that has continued to fascinate me. But the thing is, is like there isn't really a great Natalie Wood biography. There's still a lot of questions about her manner of death. Mm-hmm. It feels like the story isn't over. And mm-hmm. I had like yes. at one point I actually started trying to do a season that would be about the three stars of uh, Rebel Without a Cause that who all died young. So mm-hmm. it would be her, James Dean and Sal Mineo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I started looking into it. But like the books about Natalie Wood aren't good. The books about James Dean aren't good. And so, like, maybe, like, down the road somewhere, like, I would write a book about that where I did all new research. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, I had to put it on the, the, the back burner sucks. for now. Oh, I would love <laughs> you to because I feel like we don't have, like, they just did, someone just did a podcast. Didn't Us Weekly just do a podcast Weekly, about it? Us Weekly, it's awful. They, I stopped listening to it. Yeah, and they didn't it. do, you know, nothing happened. It wasn't that good. And just, like, such a bummer because that story is so, like, people would love to hear it now. Especially. And Robert Wagner yeah. is still alive. The story <laughs> is not alive. over the, yet. So is Christopher Walken. The thing is, is that like, I mean, maybe stuff will come out when he dies. I think people still feel like don't cross Robert Wagner for some mm-hmm. weird reason. Do you guys know the restaurant in West Hollywood, Dantana's? Like yes. It's like classic old place. Yes. I was there once with some friends at the bar and somebody asked me like a question about Natalie Wood and if I thought Robert Wagner killed her. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then a guy who was just sitting at the bar drinking whiskey by himself, like turned around and like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, what? Like what? You think Robert Wagner is a killer? Oh and I was God. like, I was like, I don't know, sir. <laughs> and then he reaches into his blazer and pulls out his cell phone and scrolls. And then he shows me a selfie he took with Robert Wagner. And he says, I don't think so. Oh, my God. You can't do anything there. <laughs> oh, my God. Robert Wagner defenders creepily <laughs> sipping whiskey behind you at a restaurant that's like that's yeah. like a true horror movie like right. Bloomhouse wishes they could come up with something as horrifying that's as that true oh my god and that that creeps me out so much because like there's something that happened there too that that hopefully I mean it has to come out like it has to on his whether deathbed or, or, or not, something whether or not yeah. it was foul play like we don't know what happened on that boat yeah but no, I was don't. gonna ask you so she died drowning Jamesy died in the car accident. Wait, how did Salmoneo die? Salmoneo. He was he was killed in an alley. What um, was in in the nineteen seventies? Oh, and God. he was gay. I don't yeah. think he was killed. I don't think he was gay bashed. Mm-hmm. But I he you know he had sort of a secret life, and then he was killed in an alley. Oh my God! Oh, he was killed in an alley. Ugh. Um, Yikes. <laughs> okay, but we're going to stop right here for a sec for an ad break. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It was like 70-something degrees a couple days ago. It's time to put our winter weather to bed, or in my Pull case, under the bed. your linens, sweeties. The lin- It's time. For- it's linen season, honey. Oh, oh, all I want is linen all the time. I just want to be draped in linen for my entire life. Not only am I pulling out my linen 
tops, my linen bottoms, my linen dresses. I'm putting on my linen sheets. I'm putting on my linen pillowcases. I'm just like, Ooh. everything is linen because the weather's getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts, tees, and linen. I know. I should probably buy some linen shorts from Quince. I have a Quince cotton duvet cover that I really like. Ooh. And it's warm. Ooh. It's it's warm in the cold months and it's cool in the warm months, which is sort of where I want my bedding to be, somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle. You and know? you can get premium European linen from blouses, shorts, dresses from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And you get it for a good price because Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, they cut out the cost of the middlemen and pass the savings on to I you. I hate middlemen. I and hate Quince middlemen. only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. We love it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash who for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash who to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash who. Before we let you go back to, um, you know, a better evening than this. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> We're going to play a game called You Must Not Remember This. Okay. Um, you <laughs> it's know, such we've a good reached, title. <laughs> we've reached the end of the decade, and um, every website, every publication is pushing, pushing out um, best of the decade content. Um, so we thought we would do the same, but with you, kind of with a twist, and we're seeing what you do and do not remember from gossip of the past 10 years. All right. Um, so we have yeah. a question for every year of the past decade. And maybe you'll remember things. Maybe you won't. You but and these are things that um, you probably you, shouldn't remember. Yeah, you must not remember. To say. Please. Okay. These are things that we should not be remembering. And yet, Bobby and I remember everything. <laughs> All <laughs> right, it's useless. Um, you start, Bobby. So let's start with 2010. In August of 2010, Paris Hilton was charged with felony drug possession when cops found 0.8 grams of cocaine in her bag during a traffic stop. How did she explain away the cocaine while in court? A, she thought it was gum. B, she thought it was chapstick. C, she thought it was mints. D, she thought it was Advil. Wow. She could think it was any of those. True. Um, true. I'm going to say C, mints. She thought it was gum. It was uh, At first, I was thinking when I was thinking of the other options for this question, I was like, well, that doesn't really have the consistency of cocaine. But then I was like, neither does gum. Yeah, so no, gum I don't doesn't know either. I don't yeah. really know what she thought we would believe, but she tried it. It didn't work. Did she Maybe like... Because it was just like wrapped in foil? Who gave yeah. it to her? Was she like, oh, can I have some gum? And they gave her... Like, there's no reason <laughs> that she would think it was gum. It doesn't make any sense, this, this story, is what I'm also thinking currently. Yeah, that, that whole that whole thing was a big mess. Okay. Lindsay, 2011. 2011. In August 2011, Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian married in a hugely publicized $10 million ceremony. The tabloids repeatedly referred to as the <laughs> wedding of the century. Wow. <laughs> wow. How many days did their marriage last? God, this is tough. I feel like it's either... Oh, oh you're going to give me multiple choices. Oh, yeah. Okay. This, I would okay. never do that to you. Yeah. Was <laughs> okay. it 67, 72... 81 or 82? Bobby, 81, 82? You're so it's, cruel. <laughs> I feel like people knew it was within the three-month range. Okay, like, okay. three months. Okay, okay. So I actually, like, was about to say that I thought it was either 18 or 81. So I'm going to say 81. 
mm-hmm. it was 72. Oh. Although you do not need to get that correct because these numbers were so close together. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> did you just as, just your own speculation do you think that whole thing was a publicity stunt it's, it's a very obvious answer like it seems like of course it's a publicity stunt but do you think there was ever anything real in that marriage or do so you think the I, whole thing from I the didn't, beginning band was a lie i wasn't really paying that close attention then like i didn't get into the kardashians until kanye got into the kardashians mm. so um yeah i don't know but it seems like it, it was just for the show no i think so i think that i was think whole, so totally i just feel fake. like you know, sometimes the the Kardashian heads will argue about that, and I just wanted to see. Wanted to I was watching a YouTube video that was a woman interviewing people on the red carpet at Kim's 27th birthday party, <laughs> and they were interviewing Aubrey O'Day, her best friend at the time, apparently. And Aubrey <laughs> wow. said, "Aubrey said, I really hope Kim gets married this year. Happy birthday wishes. I hope she gets married this year because she's such a mommy, and she just needs to hurry up and get married and have kids. Wow. <laughs> very, very sweet." That was her birthday wish for Kim Kardashian was that she got married. I was like, wow, this is an incredible document. Um, Okay. This, okay, 2012, this is ridiculous. In the summer of 2012, just months before the release of the final Twilight movie, Kristen Stewart was caught, quote unquote, cheating on Robert Robert Pattinson with a director named Rupert Sanders. Which non-Twilight movie did he direct Kristen Stewart in? Was it On the Road, The Runaways, Welcome to the Rileys. Remember that? I don't. Or Snow White and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because every headlight was Snow White and the Huntsman director. Snow White and the Huntsman director. And adding to the drama, Sanders' wife played Kristen's mother in the Snow White movie that her husband directed. And before she pulled down her Twitter account, she tweeted an Instagram of Snow White drinking from what looks like a liquor bottle and wrote, not so pretty or so pure after all. This was a crazy tabloid story. When I was looking up, was. I was looking up all the photos of this, and it's like this was on the cover of every man. Like I forgot yeah. how big this was. Meanwhile, today, if there were a headline saying that Kristen Stewart was making out with someone named Rupert Sanders, everyone <laughs> would laugh it off. Like, right. yeah, what? because did I mean? So he turned her gay. But just the fact that happened. she was having this highly like this this huge three uh a love triangle with two men now is just a wild thing to think about she is like uh, the leonardo dicaprio of lesbian now like how do we even (laughs) how was she even part of this like it's amazing wow i do i also think i also think that just the cynic inside me i think that this was a publicity stunt too because the photos when you look at them they're just they are extremely staged so like maybe maybe they were just trying to drum up Publicity for both of the movies, but anyway, 2013. Do you want me to do this We got to power through these, sorry. Wait, Bobby, this yeah, one is so one. long. Okay. Anne Hathaway made headlines in the spring of 2013 <laughs> for changing her Oscar dress last minute, explaining that, quote, it came to my attention late Saturday night that quote. there would be a dress worn to the Oscars <laughs> that is remarkably similar to the Valentino <laughs> I had intended to wear, and so I decided it was best for all involved to change my plans. <laughs> I Though love I love the dress I did wear, it was a difficult last minute decision as I so looked forward to wearing Valentino in honor of the deep and meaningful decision <laughs> relationship I have enjoyed with the house and with Valentino himself. I deeply regret any disappointment this caused who where did she write this it's like, like this the most insane. oh my god it's the most peak Anne hathaway statement like oh i want Anne to have to write all my statements Jeez. if i ever need to write a Christ. statement okay so the question is it was later revealed who the other dress belonged to who was it was it jennifer lawrence amy adams amanda seyfried which i always pronounce incorrectly or jessica chastain seafred seafried so 
Yeah. I mean, this was probably the Les Mis Oscars. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So it would be like super catty and weird if it was Amanda Seyfried. Mm. Um, but I'm going to say uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. It was Amanda. Apparently oh, wow. the rumor was that it was Jennifer first, but then people confirmed it was Amanda. Mm-hmm. And wow. then after after all the drama came that out, where it was catty. like, they're feuding. Uh, Amanda just tweeted, fact. I love you, Anne. <laughs> oh, but the thing is, if she actually loved her, she would call her Annie. Right, because so, oh, yeah. true heads know she gets <laughs> called Annie. She's Annie. Just love that Anne Hathaway statement. It's like before Serenity came out and, and it, it, people didn't like it, she released like a... a, a, like a uh, uh, I don't know a pre an like, artist she, statement. She was uh, she released a statement the day before it came out saying like people aren't gonna like this, but guess what? It's art. It's very long Instagram caption. Anyway, she's great at captions. In May 2014, <laughs> Jay Z and Solange Knowles got into a fight inside an elevator at the Standard Hotel after a, after attending the Met Gala. We've seen the video. We've heard the explanations. But can you remember what the Met Gala theme was that year? Was it? Oh no! Yeah, Charles truly. James Beyond Fashion, Alexander McQueen Savage Beauty, Punk. Chaos to Couture, or China through the Looking Glass. Bobby, I would never get this. Yeah. 2014. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna say Alexander McQueen. It was that was 2011. It was Charles Ugh. James Beyond Fashion. It's That's just funny that I have wow. no memory of this. Yeah, I don't not, either. Not at all. But and I do remember that gotten, elevator. I think they've gotten better at trying to make the themes a little more viral. Um, <laughs> So, whatever. As long as Rihanna comes, they're just trying to get Rihanna to come back. That's like the only thing that they can do at this point. Okay, 2015. I know you will know the answer to this. In 2015, Tori Spelling fell on a hot grill in an iconic restaurant chain. Spelling's rep had no comment, but according to a source, Tori hadn't even started to eat when she slipped and fell. (laughs) Not thinking, she grabbed onto the side of the hot grill and burned her arm. At the time, it didn't seem as bad as the doctors told her it was the next day. Which chain restaurant was she burned at? Was it? I just want to hear your multiple choices. <laughs> I don't even know how you would burn yourself at a Cheesecake Factory or a TGI Fridays or a Chili's or Benihana. Obviously, it's Benihana. Yes, Benihana. you are correct. That is that is the, by far the best thing that happened in 2015, which is amazing. And it's getting easier. In 2016, Tom Hiddleston wore an iconic tank top while being photographed at his then-girlfriend Taylor Swift's 4th of July birthday party. What did the tank top say? I heart New York. I heart Taylor. I heart TS, or Taylor Swift is my girlfriend, and I love her very much. I think it's C. It's either B or C. C. I heart TS, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I heart TS, that tank top. Still deranged. Terrible. Um, 2017 saw the end of the eight-year marriage between Fergie and Josh Duhamel. It's so sad. If you saw their divorce papers, however, it wouldn't say Fergie as Duhamel's ex-wife's legal name. What is Fergie's given name? Stacy Ferguson. Yes. Wait, what's her middle name? What's her middle name? Do you know? No. They Is didn't it, say that on Kids Incorporated. It's Stacy Ann Ferguson, but you get Stacey that 100%. Ferguson. Wow. And the last one because we don't know that we don't know the big stories of 2019 yet. It feels like ages ago, but it was only last year, 2018 that saw the hookup and then breakup of Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. During their short relationship, Davidson got the got three tattoos dedicated to Ariana. Which one of these did he not get? A sketch of Ariana's pet pig, Piggy Smalls. H2 GKMO, aka Honest to God Knock Me Out. (laughs) Ariana's favorite cartoon, Winnie the Pooh. Or Dangerous Woman Inspired Bunny Ears. 
I'm going to say Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. And that was a trick question because he already had a Winnie the Pooh <laughs> tattoo. What? Just a he coincidence. He has some of the worst tattoos I've oh ever seen in my full life, if you want to check those out sometime, <laughs> eventually. It's actually oh insane how many bad tattoos this person has. Can I suggest that you guys in the future do a segment or a game about celebrity tattoos called Who Tat? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incredible. Suggestion taken. Wow. Coming incredible. soon to Weekly. Who Tat? Who tat? We actually don't play enough games anymore, but yeah. And you are you are welcome to use you must not remember this in case you ever, <laughs> you know, come across garbage that you don't want your listeners to remember. That's all yours. You really right, must thanks. not remember any of that. Um, um, is there anything else that you want to plug? I know you're doing a spin-off series that people are contributing to and I was hoping you would want to talk about that. Sure. Yeah, we're going to start. That's going to start running at the end of January. It's called Make Me Over. And it's stories about um, like Hollywood's intersection with the beauty industry. And so it spans from the silent era with the first Hollywood weight loss surgery all the way to the 1990s. And like there's a, an incredible episode about like black beauty in Hollywood. Oh so, um, yeah, so I'm really super excited about that. We have eight in, like individual writers who are working on their stories right now. And it's, so it's going to be sort of this American lifestyle where I introduce them and then they run with it. And then I'm working on um, another season of the podcast that hopefully will be done by next summer, um, which I don't really want to give details about too much. But it's basically like it's it's about a female filmmaker in the 70s and 80s. Cool. Awesome. Fun. Okay. Well, thanks for chatting with us on this episode. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. We always learn something. We always learn something from you, Karina. Thank you so much. (laughs) Things that we actually want to remember, not things that we'd hope to forget. I forget. I forget our episodes as soon as we record them, and I never forget yours. It's so true. Well, Um, thank you. I'm so glad I got to play a game. Yeah. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. You enjoyed it. (laughs) Never, never think about that game again. You never have to. Although you really should look up the Anne Hathaway statement and just read it once more because it's like. It's a work of art. <laughs> All right. It really is. Um, bye, Karina. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you bye. so Thank much. You. Bye. bye. What was she wearing? Where was she seen? She posted what on Instagram? She's the Who Queen. Tens of people want to What's Rita Ora up to? Who is this woman? Lindsay, what's Rita up to? Um, she got sick. Well, before she got well, she sick. She got sick two weeks ago. So The week of Houdat, she got sick. She was and she sick. canceled her Wait, event. Wait, did she know that we weren't going to do What's Rita up to and she got sick? <gasps> oh my God. What if she didn't know? What if we're just operating on the same level? What if she? You know? What if she heard that we didn't do it, and then she got sick? Like we, like we were responsible for that. What if we're accidentally control? What if we're like, <laughs> like um, voodoo dolling her, but we don't even know it. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what if? What would you make Rita Ora do? No, I. We're already Rita doing it. We already do. No, it. but I mean, like, not mean stuff. Like this is stuff. not like being John Malkovich. I can't. I would never do that to her. What Rita. would you do to her, like, to make her happy? Well, I only want her to be successful. If you control her life around her, 
But like, would you flop? Would you like plop her onto an Oscar, like a voodoo Oscar stage? Like, would you plop her onto like a voodoo like Coachella stage? Like, what would you do? I mean, do? we've we've we kind of like voodoo voodooed her into like a remake of Oliver Twist, co-starring Jude Law's son. That's I think true. That's we already did it. Like, I can't do any more than we that. Already I've already did. done that. Have you seen the photos from this thing? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we've already done the most. Okay, the most. And yet, okay, the so least. she got sick. She got sick. She was supposed to perform at a quote a free Amazon event in Berlin, Germany, which, oh, <laughs> which God. is just that's incredible. She probably a free was making Amazon so much event, money off of that. A free Amazon event in Berlin, Germany. Yeah, sure. They can afford a hundredth season of Mrs. Maisel. They can afford to renew Modern Love, which people hate. I don't know. I'm not going to watch that show. They can afford Rita Ora at a free concert in Berlin, Germany. Anyway. <laughs> She released a statement, not on Amazon, like only to press, and it said, I am so sad to have to announce that I've woken up today poorly and have been ordered by doctors, ordered ordered by doctor, doctors, well, us, us. She got a doctor's note. Us. To miss the Amazon event today. I've been looking forward to seeing you all so much. It is a decision that has taken, my, sorry, it is a decision that has been taken out of my hands and I am so sorry for not being there. Nothing makes me happier than performing and seeing my incredible fans and not being able to do that is devastating. I believe it. It's pretty funny because that... that's exactly the note that I would write to you if I was sick. Like exactly <laughs> word for word. But Next I Next time one it. of us gets sick and has to miss an episode, I'm going to read that. Have we ever done that though? Have we ever... I, I was thinking we've, never, we've done never done that, have we? We've never done that. Like we've never gotten sick and been like, oh, I can't record. I'm sick. <laughs> we've been like, oh, my voice is disgusting. Please forgive me. <laughs> I sound like trash. <laughs> if I got like food poisoning or something just like truly terrible, like I couldn't even sit up, then I would then I would write you that note. And I'm, I'm so sad to have it. to announce that I woke up today poorly and have been ordered by doctors yes. to miss the Amazon event today. <laughs> to miss the, the who weekly, weekly recording today. today. Yeah. A free who weekly event. Okay. So she... <laughs> a free who weekly event. Every two That's times what we a should week? call every episode. Welcome to yet another free who weekly event. <laughs> Hosted by Cadence 13. Okay. Uh. Um, so I really love this. And the reason I found out she was sick is because I didn't look up... I didn't check my Rita Ora Google Alerts last week because I was like, oh, we don't need this because we're not doing an episode. So I was reading this week's Google Alerts first mm. and I got... This Daily Mail headline. Till death do us part. Rita Ora slips into a cutout bodysuit and skeleton print boots as she transforms into a very racy zombie bride for Halloween. Okay. So I clicked that and the lead is Rita Ora recovered from a recent illness to celebrate Halloween in her she typical sexy style. And I was like, what? She was sick? I didn't know. She was sick. But then she got better and then she dressed up in a cutout bodysuit and skeleton print boots as she's transformed into a very racy zombie if bride for Halloween. you flying as much as Rita Ora does, you would be, I would be sick all the time. She, she, she I can barely private. have a she bad flies, meal. She, like a, she's, like not, a, she's not flying with like you and me and like Dupree on the back of the Delta flight. She's, she's, she's in the private jet. I understand that. But just what flight, what, what air travel does to you. I fly once, and even if I'm comfortable, I'm fucked for the week. Are you kidding? All of these rich people that fly all the time, they're like knocking back sleeping pills. They're expert flyers. I don't know. I stay up past 10 o'clock, and I can't function. They say, listen to me. I can't even begin to understand what it's like to fly as a famous person because it's a whole different category of flying. Sure. But I stayed up late watching the affair finale last night, Wait, and I am now ruined for the day. Rita Ora's mom pulls off glam gold dress at 55 as heads out to support daughter. As She's heads so out pretty. to support daughter. She posed in a doorway the fringe of her, light, of her light bulb swept elegantly to the side. Vera said, on my way to support my daughter at Rita Ora at the at Cartier event in my at Stella McCartney dress. Hashtag visuals with Vera. 
<laughs> First of all, you know, it's wild that she's only 55. She no, looks she, amazing. Vera she looks Ora. amazing. And I think this was the Escada launch, so she's probably wearing Escada, which is very nice. And she looks incredible. She's wearing Stella McCartney. We just got great jeans, as we know. Oh, yeah. Sometimes her actual jeans are not great, but her jeans, genetics are good. (laughs) Okay. Um, And with that, we are done with Rita. We're done with this episode. Thank you for listening to (coughs) Who Weekly. Call in 619-WHO-THEM if you want to leave a question, comment, and concern for our Who's There episode on Friday. Um, watch the affair on sh- all episodes available now on Showtime. No, don't. Anytime. I'm gonna cut that um, from this. <laughs> if you want to hear Lindsay recap the last episode of the affair, you can go to our Patreon, to Patreon and subscribe. Um, thanks, Karina. Thanks, again. Karina. Thank you, Karina. Bye. You will Hey. 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 Hey.